Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the historical land of Nihon. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling. And today we're talking about the Chugoku region. This is our last region episode. After this, we will have covered all of the regions of Japan. Wow. Exciting. Wow. We, we got to the last one. Yep. That's Only awesome. took us a couple years. Yeah. So the Chugoku region is the westernmost region on Honshu, that biggest main island of Japan. Uh, so you have Shikoku directly to the south. You got Kyushu to the southwest. Uh, the Chugoku region is made up of five prefectures. You got Hiroshima, Okayama, Shimane, Totori, and Yamaguchi prefectures. And you know, Paul, one thing I'd always wondered about this region is what is up with that name? Because Chugoku, like when I first started studying Japanese, I learned that Chugoku is what they call China in Japanese. So why would there be a region named after it in Japan? Well, I don't know if it's named after China. I think it just happens to have the same name. Yeah. It translates as central country. Yeah, or middle country. And apparently that name historically was applied to this region of Japan. And that term wasn't used to refer to China until the 1900s. So, uh, and the reason for that is that China used the same characters to refer to their own country. So kind of a, I don't know, coincidence, I guess. Yeah. So these days it can be a little confusing. Is Chugoku China or is it this region? But in the tourism industry, the Chugoku region is commonly referred to as the Sanin Sanyo region. So that can help differentiate it a bit. Yeah, the geographically, the region is characterized by limited plains areas, a lot of rolling hills. And then there's mountains running east to west that kind of help to divide it between the Sanyo region which is the more heavily industrialized and populated area along the Seto Inland Sea. And then on the other side of the mountains is the Sanin region, which is along the Sea of Japan coast. And less industrialized, less populated in general. Exactly. All right, well, let's just dive in and start talking about all the awesome stuff that you can see and do. All right, well... We should maybe start with the most well-known prefecture. Sure. Hiroshima. Yes. So this is on the south side of the region. And, of course, it contains the city of Hiroshima, which is the largest city in the region. It has a population of around 1.2 million people. It's also probably the most well-known city for Americans, at least, because the United States dropped an atomic bomb on this city on August 6, 1945, killing tens of thousands of civilians, which is probably one of the most horrific things that uh, you know one group of humans has ever done to another group of humans. Certainly in like a single act. Yeah. Like by dropping one bomb from one plane at one moment. Yeah, I, I saw. mean, it, it destroyed almost everything within a two-kilometer radius of the city center, which is like, Unbelievable. Yeah, I saw the highest estimate of deaths at 140,000. 
Like one one bomb, 140,000 people dead. That's yeah. insane. Uh, many people died later on, too, from radiation poisoning or the, from rare cancers caused right. from... That number includes those people. Yes, yes. Yeah. So um, if you're visiting Hiroshima, I highly recommend that you visit the Hiroshima Peace Memorial Park and the museum they have there just to kind of try to get a sense of what happened there you know it's it's one thing to read about it in a textbook but it's a totally different thing to like see these artifacts and pictures and hear accounts from people that were there yeah i mean great efforts were taken to rebuild the city but where the peace park is was where the bomb was dropped that used to be the industrial center of the city and that's why that specific part of land was left as a park and there's powerful monuments and museums there that you can mm-hmm. explore. There's actually this one building they call the Atomic Bomb Dome, which was directly beneath the bomb when it detonated. And it's like the only building in the area that was still standing because all the force from the bomb was going straight down on top of it so it didn't just topple over. Yeah. So they basically left this building as it was on that day. Yeah, still standing. Yeah, and it's it's powerful stuff to, you know, go there and look at it and imagine what the city looks like on that day. It's just, it's crazy. Paul, did, have you been to Hiroshima? No, I haven't. Hmm. I've been there a couple times, and I visited this area on my first time, and it was, uh, I mean, it's a somber experience, you know? It's... I don't know, it's a lot of things, but I think it's it's an important thing for people to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm always moved when I go to some kind of war monument, thinking about all those people that died for war, you know, like for what, right? For war. And on the magnitude of what happened in Hiroshima, it's even hard to like comprehend. Yeah. And the museum there is really crazy, too. They have, like, a lot of artifacts, and, I mean, it's... it's a lot of stories, I think, of yes. the people that were affected. and Yeah. They have this one room that you can go into, and they just play audio recordings. I remember seeing people in that room just, like, sitting there listening and crying. It was so powerful. Oh, I bet. I bet. How could you not, you know? Yeah. So there are other things to see. Yeah, more happy, Hiroshima. happy things. <laughs> Hiroshima is the headquarters of the Mazda car uh, producer. I'm they a fan a, of Mazda. Yeah, yeah. You've, you've, you've had a Mazda or two. Mm-hmm. They do do tours of their factory and headquarters uh, that you have to schedule beforehand because they don't do too many. But that's a possibility if you're into cars or into Mazdas. Cool. Uh, One thing that I would really recommend in Hiroshima is their famous landscape garden, Shukeen. The name translates to Shrunken Scenery Garden, which will make sense to you if you listen to episode 13, where we talked about Japanese gardens and how they often aim to present miniaturized versions of, you know, huge landscapes like valleys, mountains, and forests. And, you know, I've been to many, many gardens in japan but this was one of my favorites like it is so cool and i have a ton of pictures from there that i will be posting on instagram there's a little tea house there you can get some matcha they have a bamboo grove like there's just so much to see it's a really big garden and it's super super pretty 
Yeah, it sounds really nice. As you're wandering along the path, you kind of move into these different miniature scenery areas. Like, oh, here's the mountain. Now it looks like forest or whatever. That's that's so cool. I mm-hmm. like that. There's also a tree. I believe it's a ginkgo tree there that survived the bomb. So that's oh, kind wow. of interesting to see. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, not far from the garden is another attraction that I definitely recommend. Hiroshima Castle, one of my favorite castles in Japan. It's so pretty. There's like this moat that goes around it, and it's all lit up at night. I have some more pictures of that that I will also post on Instagram. Kind of has a lot of natural wood on it. It gives it just a cool kind of sort of rustic look a little bit. Okay. Uh, There's a museum inside if you're interested in castle construction and history and stuff. That's definitely worth checking out. Uh, Hiroshima's got a nice little bustling downtown area. The main feature is probably Hondori Street, which is a pedestrian walkway that's uh, lined with shops and restaurants. All right. Did you go to Okonomiyaki Village? Heck, yes, yeah, I did. Okay. That was my first stop in Hiroshima, actually. <laughs> you were just hungry right trip. away. Yeah. Got off the train. I went straight there. So that's near the main main shopping path is uh, mm-hmm. this just a whole bunch of okonomiyaki restaurants all right next to each other right it's like a tower filled with okonomiyaki <laughs> restaurants and hiroshima has its own style of okonomiyaki there's like kansai style osaka style okonomiyaki that's kind of like a flat pancake sort of thing and then hiroshima style okonomiyaki has more noodles and they're kind of it's piled high i think i like the I prefer the Hiroshima style just because there's, there's more going on. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Perhaps the second most popular tourist attraction in the prefecture is Miyajima. Yeah. Miyajima is a small island, less than an hour outside of Hiroshima. Yeah, it doesn't take long to get there. And it's famous for its giant Tori Gate, which at high tide seems like it's floating in the water. Yeah. Like you very well might have seen a picture of this. It's incredibly famous. Definitely. One of the top photo spots in Japan, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, If you don't know what a Tori gate looks like, look at our logo. That's a Tori gate. (laughs) So this quote unquote floating Tori gate is currently being renovated, unfortunately. Uh, It's covered in scaffolding. It was when I was last there in 2019. So uh, can't really see it. They still haven't even come up with a date for when it's going to be finished. So if you want to visit, check on that. See if you'll actually get to see it. But even if you can't see it, Miyajima is still worth visiting. There's a lot of cool stuff there. The gate is actually a part of Itsukushima Shrine, which is really pretty and interesting to visit. Um, When I was there, I saw a Shinto ceremony, actually, that was really interesting to observe I have a video of that that I'll post on Instagram. Cool. The rest of the island is really cool. I mean, there's so much to do there. You could spend an entire day. There's a mountain that you can climb. There are a ton of amazing temples, pagodas, museums. They have friendly deer like they do in Nara. That's always fun. Yeah, I saw that. Lots of natural scenery. I was there in the fall, and the fall colors were mind-blowing, man. I'd never seen anywhere else with such amazing fall colors uh, they have this park, Momijidani Park, 
Momiji is the Japanese maple tree, and they turn just the brightest red in fall. It's insane. Like, this place was completely packed with people just aiming their phones and cameras straight up at the trees. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people kind of like show up, take pictures of the gate, and then leave, but that's a mistake. You can stay overnight at some of the ryokan, the traditional inns, and it's very like peaceful and beautiful in the evening. And yeah. there's so much else to see on the island, too. Yeah, a lot of great restaurants, uh, tons of like tourist shops if you want to get souvenirs and that kind of stuff. It is a very touristy place, but there's a reason for that. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff there. Although, um, it's funny, I remember on that last trip, I was at this restaurant in Hiroshima and I met this guy that was like a professor. And he, he told me he, he'd lived his entire life in Hiroshima and he'd never been to Miyajima. Like it's really kind of a thing that only tourists do. Yeah, I believe that. I bet there's places around here I haven't been to that uh, like a lot of people go to. Yeah. Like the giant spoon with the cherry on it, like that sculpture park in Minneapolis. I don't think I've ever been there in person. Really? But I feel like I see that as like the picture in the background of like Minneapolis, if anyone's talking about Minneapolis. Yeah, that's one of the symbols of the Like city. I haven't even been there, like whatever, you know? Yeah. So also in Hiroshima Prefecture is Fukuyama City. Yeah, that's the second most populous city in the prefecture. It's about 40 miles east of Hiroshima. So one cool thing I saw there was Shinshoji Temple, which is a Buddhist Rinzai Zen school temple. And it was constructed in 1965 by a local industrialist. Okay. Having a spiritual moment, I'm not sure. <laughs> but there's this big network of walking trails and uh, the temple buildings are kind of spread out across the grounds. The whole intent is to provide visitors with a Zen experience, walking through the various mediums that include tea houses, there's meditation classes, there's a museum gallery dedicated to Zen artwork, um, as well as contemporary art. So if you need to like relax and get a little Zen, this temple sounds like kind of a really cool place to go chill at. That does sound really cool. Uh, another thing that is popular to do is visit Tomonoura. Yeah, that looked cool. Yeah, it's an old fishing town. It looks really pretty. If you're into, you know, I feel like every episode we do about a region, I'm, there's all this like old timey stuff. Like if you're into old timey stuff, go here, you know? Yeah, I, I forgot to mention this in the intro, but I was going to say like this whole region is old timey stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like maybe it's far enough away from central Japan or whatever, but there's just a whole bunch of old stuff that survived to the present day. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these cities have like really cool historical stuff to see. Yeah. They have an old lighthouse here from the Edo period. You can see like a bunch of fishing boats. I mean, it's a, it's a fishing town. You can learn about the history and folklore of the area and, you know, I'm especially interested in something called homeishu. Did you read about this? <laughs> Medicinal liquor. Yeah. So back in the day, this was a busy port for merchant ships. And one of the industries that sprung up as a result of that was the production of this homeishu stuff. It's uh, a medicinal liquor that they made from 
shochu, and then 16 types of herbs. And you can still buy it there now. It's considered a local specialty and has a 350-year-old history. Wait, you can put herbs in alcohol and it becomes medicine? Apparently. Actually, I feel uh, like... One mojito, please. I need my medicine today. I believe, if I recall correctly, uh, bitters, like bitters that are used to flavor all sorts of cocktails these days, those started out as Just like some medicine. bitter leaves or something? Okay. It was medicine. It was alcohol with all these different herbs stuck in there. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so this stuff, they said it would cure fatigue, sensitivity to cold, frequent urination, numbness, blurred vision, and more. So wow. if you're feeling bad at all, go get some home issue. Okay. I would get it even if I was feeling great because it just sounds interesting. I got to try that. Yeah. That sounds good. Another thing to see in Fukuyama, if you're into castles, Fukuyama Castle, very nice looking castle although it is currently under renovation. So you won't be able to go in there until August 22. But hey, maybe nobody will get to go to Japan until August 22 anyway, right? Probably not. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. But there's a park around the castle that also has some museums that look pretty cool. There's a prefectural museum of history, a museum of art, and a museum of literature. Cool. Yep. So just west of Fukuyama is a place called Onomichi. This is another port city that has some cool stuff going on. Uh, one of the main attractions of Onomichi is the Shimanami Kaido. It's a 60-kilometer-long toll road that connects the main island of Honshu to the island of Shikoku. It passes over six small islands so it's not one giant bridge but a bunch of bridges yeah we mentioned this in episode 84 about the shikoku region is a popular place to bike specifically i saw because you can get great views of the seto inland sea you get to look out over all these little islands with the beautiful mountains yeah it's the only bridge connecting to shikoku and Honshu that you can bike across mm-hmm. so that that sounds Really cool to bike the, the scenery biking across that bridge would be uh, amazing. I really want to do that. Uh, Onomichi is also known for its many temples, and there's actually a temple walk that connects 25 of them. Yeah, that sounds really cool. And it's not even that long. Like a temple walk with 25 temples, you'd think that's going to take like multiple days or something. But right. It's only about two and a half kilometers long. You could do it in an hour. Yeah. Or if you stopped at every place, it could take you a whole day. Yeah. It's kind of like at your own pace. Some yeah. of the temples and shrines were like a little bit off the path, I think, but none of them were like that far off. So you could easily get to anyone you wanted to see. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul, I've been spending some time in Onomichi just uh, last week. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the, the Yakuza game that I'm playing right now. They, a big they chunk sent of you it, down there? It takes place in Onomichi. <laughs> Okay. Decent Yakuza presence there, apparently. Although they're pretty like low level, you know, not not super uh, important Yakuza people, I guess. Okay. I don't know. Who knows? You, if... you get to go down there and boss them around in the game. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. The first time you run into one of the Yakuza guys there, he like hates you, and you you get in a fight with his whole gang. But then once you uh, you kind of protect him against his boss, that's 
beaten up on him and then all of a sudden he loves you and he calls you his aniki like his big brother he's like oh be my aniki like please like you know you're just so cool and strong i just want to be uh you know want to be close to you but i don't know i have no idea if uh in real life there's much yakuza presence in onomichi but it's in the game also in onomichi is the kosanji temple which was built in 1936. Uh, but what I thought was cool about this is they've got a whole bunch of reconstructions of famous buildings from around Japan. There's actually a reconstruction of the Phoenix Hall. Really? At this temple. Like a full-size one? As far as I understand it, yeah. They just built a whole bunch of buildings. It took them 30 years to finish building the whole temple grounds. Huh. You know, there's another one of those in Hawaii. <laughs> Yeah, I think I heard about yeah, that. Yeah, Byodoin. There's the original one in Uji, and then there's the one in Hawaii, and apparently there's, in Onomichi. Yeah, there's also a long cave at this temple that displays the tortures of Buddhist hell. Awesome. <laughs> so you can walk through a hell really cave. Cool. I would definitely do that. Yeah, so that one like stood out to me as like kind of a unique, more a more unique place to go see. All right, next prefecture we're talking about is Okayama Prefecture. This one is just east of Hiroshima Prefecture. Its capital is, of course, the city of Okayama, which is the second largest city in the region after Hiroshima. Its main attraction is a garden called Korakuen, one of the three great gardens of Japan, Paul. Ooh. It's a top three. It dates back to 1687. And, Paul, did you see any pictures of this garden? Yeah. What I thought was really interesting and unusual about it is how wide open it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of grass. Right. Like open lawns. You don't often see that in Japanese gardens. Uh, they also have an archery range there. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I tried it must to be get, a big place. Yeah, I tried to get more info on that. Like, I don't know if anybody can just go and bring a bow and start shooting or... Like maybe it's only uh, for special... Um, yeah, it might be for festivals or stuff yeah. like that. I don't know. Um, it's located right next to Okayama Castle. So it uses the castle as borrowed scenery. Nice. I imagine that creates some really nice views. Cool. One thing I found really interesting is that, you, know, you said this is a, it's hundreds of years old, but the garden suffered damage and from floods in 1934 and also bombing during World War II. But they kept really detailed records of the layout, so they were able to reconstruct it basically exactly how it was. Cool. So even though it's had some damage, like this is what the original garden looked like. Nice. So I thought that was I thought that was really cool. Like good on the guy who like made great blueprints and like preserved them. Totally. Like that could have been done 200 years in the past or whatever. And then it came in handy in that moment when they needed it. Someone did their job and did it well. Kudos to that person. And rant. <laughs> um, again, for the people that are into old timey stuff, you should visit Kurashiki, just southwest of Okayama. This is a historic city with a preserved merchant quarter from the Edo period. Looks real pretty from the pictures I saw. They got this beautiful canal flowing through it, filled with koi. 
There are these weeping willow trees all around. They got those traditional wooden warehouses. And they don't even have any power lines. Like they made sure that there weren't any visible power lines because they wanted to preserve that old timey feel. Yeah. Just like we were saying, there's so many places in this prefecture where you can feel like you're back in time. Yeah. Another thing you should do in Okayama Prefecture is go to Kojima, visit Gene Street. You got to go. Yeah. We talked about Gene Street a bit in our denim episode. Episode 68. But there's uh, just a bunch of shops with all the top jeans producers in Japan. In the world, Paul. In the world. I thought that went without saying. (laughs) It does. But in case you haven't listened to the Japanese denim episode. And there's all sorts of, uh, for lack of a better word, like denim gimmicks there. Like we saw the cab covered in denim yep. on the outside or the vending machine covered in denim yep, denim the, ice cream the 20 foot tall pair of jeans at the train station hanging on the wall like there's just lots of really cool fun photogenic stuff there yeah it's super fun and you can go talk to like the people in the stores and they will like geek out with you about jeans to your heart's content absolutely if you have any interest in jeans whatsoever Go there. And if you don't have an interest in jeans, go listen to episode 68, learn about jeans, and then you'll have an interest in jeans because I think that was a good episode. I I bet you do. (laughs) (laughs) I talked for a long time very excitedly about jeans. What's not to love? The further we get removed from the baseball episode, I'm like, Oh my God, how much dumb baseball stats did I spit out that like (laughs) nobody's going to understand or care about? But I could not help myself. It's okay, Paul. I could not care less about baseball, but I actually thought that episode had some interesting stuff in it. Good, good. So did the, so the dead one for 100%. Good. 100%. Takahashi is a small city in the mountains northwest of Okayama City, uh, best known for Matsuyama Castle. Paul, this is the oldest surviving castle in Japan. Ooh. Aren't there only like 12 surviving castles or something in Japan? 12 originals. Originals, yeah. Yeah. Um, There's also an old town area. If you're into old-timey things, they have restored merchant and samurai houses there. That stuff is always fun. I also think that Inujima Island sounds really cool. You know anything about that, Paul? No, what's that? Do you know what an Inu is? Uh, like Shiba Inu, uh, dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is Dog Island. It's named that because there's a big rock there that apparently looks like a sitting dog. Wait, wait, wait. You mean I can't go there and lay down and just get smothered by puppies? It's a fake dog. Sadly, it's not that kind of Dog Island. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. And I don't know. I don't know if an island full of wild dogs would be as fun as one with a bunch of wild cats, you know? Wild dogs, I don't think, are called wild dogs. What do you mean? Well, dogs are so domesticated. They're not really wild anymore. They're they're just called, uh, uh, I forget what you call dog. Feral? Yeah, they're like feral dogs. (laughs) Either way, I don't think, I mean, if they're not trained or anything, I'm not sure having a bunch of them running straight at you would be that that fun, you know? Right. I mean, like feral dogs aren't always very friendly to people, but right. maybe if like people showed up and like fed them and pet them all the time, they would be like 
I don't know. Maybe if they were all chihuahuas or something. I don't know. Chihuahuas are crazy. What are you talking about? <laughs> but they can't like tear off a limb or something. Uh, bite your ankles up, <laughs> I guess. Anyway, we're getting off course here. So Inujima, uh, you remember in the Shikoku episode, we talked about Naoshima, that island with a bunch of art installations, that kind of stuff? Yeah. That is really nearby. And this island is sort of similar to that. They have a modern art festival that takes place. There's an art museum. But what I'm most interested in is the ruins. Oh, yeah? You know, I love ruins. Yeah. This island used to be an industrial site, like for most of its history. They used to, oh, get this. They used to get granite blocks from this island that they used to build the castles hundreds of years ago. Okay. Quarry site. Yep. In the 1900s, there was a copper refinery here, but these days it's all ruins. And actually that art museum is inside the ruins of the refinery. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, the rest of the island, there's just like this little rural village, only about 100 people live there. But scattered across this village are these modern art installations. So it looks just like a really cool place to just wander around and like you turn a corner and it's like, oh, here's this big art thing you know know, it just seems like a fun place to explore yeah definitely so sitting right on top of okayama prefecture is totori prefecture the least populous prefecture in the entire country paul not just the region but the country yep Population of only about 570,000 as of 2016. So this is on that northern, more rural Sea of Japan side that we mentioned. Yeah, Totori is pretty much famous for its sand dunes. That's probably about it. (laughs) But it's got these massive sand dunes up to 50 meters high. Biggest in all of Japan. Yeah. They cover over 30 square kilometers along the coast, like on the north edge of the city. It looks totally insane, man. Like I saw pictures that look like they're from the Middle East or something, you know? It's just like these massive sand dunes. All you see is the sky above them. And then there's like tourists on camels going by. Yeah, you can rent a camel. (laughs) Yeah, I actually watched a video about these sand dunes like a month ago not even realizing it was in this prefecture until I started mm. doing my research. And they're huge. Yeah. Like one of the guys in the video like ran down it just to be like, ha ha ha. And it took him like 30 minutes to like fly back up. He was like oh, dying. Man. Like, <gasps> And sand is hard to walk in. <laughs> yeah, you know? and it's so steep. Yeah. What I thought was really cool though is you could do sandboarding there. I know. I've always wanted to try sandboarding. That sounds so fun. So it's basically snowboarding, but on sand. Mm-hmm. And it apparently works. So I would be super down for that. I'm not going to ride a camel, but other people seem to enjoy that. They have paragliding too. That'd be great. Yeah. That's so fun. I've done that. That's that's yeah. fun. Where Was that in uh, Mexico? Oh, okay. When I, was, when I was a youngster. That'd be cool. Um, there's a sand museum nearby too. They just have a giant pile of sand and, and you get to look at it. Yeah, and you get to pick up each granule and you try to classify which type of sand it is. That's a joke. Yeah, we made all that up. There's sand sculptures. Yeah, they have artists from around the world that make these sand sculptures. And they're, did you see pictures of them? Yeah. Insanely detailed. Yeah, they're great. I would definitely stop by this place. Yeah. 
And if you want to get a good view of the dunes, there's a, a chairlift that will bring you up to an observation deck uh, at the Saku Center. I refuse. I'm going to struggle my way by foot up those dunes so I can say I conquered them. Yeah, you should. And then I'm going to snowboard down. And then I'm probably wiped out for the whole day. Seriously, like sandboarding is near the top of my list of things to do in Japan now. Really? Okay. Just because it's such a novel I guess, experience. I guess we're going to Totori, right? Yeah. And I like that, you know, small town, kind of old timey stuff. They got a lot of that around there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of small, peaceful towns, just west of Totori City and a bit inland, you will find Misasa, which is an onsen town. And onsen are, of course, those hot springs. We did a whole episode about them. Forgot to write down the episode number. But, you know, you're going to find a bunch of hotels and traditional inns where you can bathe in their private hot spring baths. But, Paul, if you're brave, mm-hmm. did you hear about their free public outdoor mixed sex bath? No. No, I didn't. It's within view of Misasa Bridge. It's just like out there in the open. So tourists can walk by on the bridge and take pictures of you all naked in, in the onsen. Doesn't okay. that sound great? Yeah, so it's like 50 dudes. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I'd do it. I have no shame about nudity of myself. Would you rather be one of the naked people in the bath or one of the tourists on the bridge taking pictures of the people in the bath? <laughs> in the bath. You're not that creepy? Yeah, taking pic- like taking pictures of somebody in a bath naked, that crosses my line. Yeah. Like I'm not that's like creeper level ninety. I try not to go above like seventy. So no, it's a big no for me. Okay. But if people want to take pictures of me naked, yeah, I don't really care. More of an exhibitionist than a voyeur. Yeah, I suppose. All right. Like one feels sinister, the other feels like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, if you want to look, live in my best life. If you want to look, look. If you don't want to look, don't look. Whatever, (laughs) man. I'm joking about the tourists. I can't imagine that anybody's actually like taking pictures (laughs) and stuff, but it is like kind of just out there in the open. Uh, Another interesting attraction in Misasa is Showa Street. So, Paul, you've heard of the Showa period. Yep. That was between 1926 and 1989. And on this street, Showa Street, they have. All this stuff where you can get the feel of that kind of era. They have like little shops that feel all old timey. There's a museum of barbering with old barbershop antiques. Okay. There is a shop with Showa period games. You can actually try the old traditional pachinko games before they got all electronic and stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, there's an art gallery. Okay, get this. There's an art gallery of sculptures made from koyadofu. What's that? In episode 47, we did about tofu. We talked about koyadofu, which is freeze-dried tofu. Ah. I couldn't find any pictures of these sculptures. but Yeah, that'd be... I don't know what that'd look like. Yeah, sounds cool. And there are like a bunch of apparently interesting little galleries like that on this street. Seems like a fun place. So the onsen in Misasa are said to have the highest naturally occurring levels of radon in the world. Uh, So it's supposed to be really good at curing uh, certain ailments for people who bathe in it 
or apparently even drink the water. I don't know if I want to drink radon, but you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah, in the U.S., like radon is not supposed to be a good thing. Like people get their houses tested for radon exposure and stuff. Yeah, and it's a negative. But apparently, at the onsen, they tout it as a uh, some beneficial for some reason. Did you hear about Nagiredo Temple? No. So it's a temple built in 706 that's built into a cliff face. So you have to go on this short but really challenging hiking course up the side of this cliff to get to the temple. Huh. So it sound to me it sounded really fun. Like there's places where you have to like scramble up holding on to tree roots and there's chains in some places that you have to grab to like pull yourself up as you scramble along. It sounds potentially dangerous. Do people like fall off this cliff and die? I mean, the sources I read didn't talk about that. I I mean, it's probably possible, but I definitely wouldn't go up there if you're not like healthy and have decent balance, you know? I would take a look, you know, maybe... Maybe I could do that. It sounds fun. I wouldn't like, miss it. I love climbing things. That moment where you're not sure if you're going to make it or not. Oh, man, I feel so alive. Yeah. Well, I remember I was thinking of uh, when you and I lived in LA and we remember we did all that hiking up in the mountains out there. And I remember there was this one place we went where there was like a little waterfall. And then there's sound, another one kind of like this where there's like this little, there's just like a really thin rope hanging down yeah. that you have to climb up. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like, it looks like it'd be really easy to just slip and all of a sudden you're dead, you know? Yeah. But you went up there, as I I recall. I did. It was fun. It was sketchy, but fun. Yeah. Yeah. I lived, thankfully. Did you hear much about Mount Dyson? Yes. I heard a lot about Mount Dyson. It is the tallest uh, peak in the Chugoku region. And one of Japan's 100 famous mountains. Oh, there's 100 famous mountains. This is a top three list this time, or top 100 list. Yeah. It's long been a spiritual icon and center for mountain worship. It's a volcanic mountain, actually, but it hasn't erupted in thousands of years. I saw that, and I was thinking, oh, good, that means it's safe. Or does that mean it's due? Probably safe. Probably safe, yeah. There's a temple and a shrine on the mountain. And you can climb the mountain. I was actually thinking maybe we climb this mountain as a warm-up for Fuji. Sure. It's uh, pretty steep, but uh, you can make the climb in a few hours, I heard. Yeah, I saw uh, about four kilometers long is the trail. It takes about three hours. It's mostly up steep stairs. Yeah. So like that's 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 a tough hike. Yeah. The temple near the base of the mountain is Daisenji. That's where the trailhead is. And then the shrine Ogamiyama shrine is further up. And the views are supposed to be amazing. Yeah. There's like forests near the bottom and then at some point you just like pop out of the forest and all of a sudden like whoa, you can see everything. Nice. That scene that scene is cool. West of Totori Prefecture is Shimane Prefecture. And again, this is on that less populated northern coast. The capital city is Matsue, located in the northeast corner of the prefecture. It's also known as the Water City. 
because it is right between these two lakes, Lake Shinji and Nakaumi. Yeah, that's a cool name for a city. Yeah. The Adachi Museum of Art is there, founded in 1970, um, and it's really known for its garden there. The designer wanted to share his passion for Japanese gardens and his passion for Japanese art. And he thought Japanese art could be enjoyed more if it was like paired with the garden as well. Sure. And he apparently did a really good job because it's a highly regarded Japanese garden. Cool. Uh, again, if you're into castles, Matsue Castle is a popular attraction. And this is actually one of Japan's largest original castle towers. Really? So it's one of those original 12 and is big. Although all that remains here is that main tower. But it does look pretty cool. It's like it, there's a lot of black on it. Yeah. It's one of the darker ones I've seen. I, that's what I, what struck me too is like there's a lot of black and it really makes the white parts pop. Mm-hmm. I thought it looked really cool. Totally. Agreed. So one more unique thing about this castle is... There's a moat around it, and you can actually get in a boat, and they row you around the moat and talk about the history in Japanese only, hmm. unfortunately. But I thought that was kind of cool. Like you get a little riverboat cruise, like through the moat. It is interesting. Um, I couldn't like find a path they took, but it almost seemed like the moat connected to a river or something at some point, and they just kind of like went around town a little bit or something. Cool. Yeah, sounded fun. And, you know, since castles usually had a samurai living around them, Matsue also has a samurai district where you can see some old samurai mansions. That's always fun to see. And also in that same area, you can actually find the former residence of this guy, Lafcadio Hearn. Does that sound familiar, Paul? Yeah. We talked about him in our Halloween special, episode 88. We read a book, or we read stories from a book of creepy stories that he wrote. I think that was a fun episode. Yeah, he was a prolific writer about Japan. Mm-hmm. One of back the first, in the day. One of the first Western authors to write extensively about Japan. West of Matsue, on the other side of Lake Shinji, is a city called Izumo, most known for Izumo Taisha, the second most important shrine in Japan. Yeah, I didn't really know anything about this shrine, but oh man, it's so cool. It's the tallest shrine building in all of Japan, but apparently it used to be even taller. They used to have it built on these huge like stilts, and they've got a museum with a whole bunch of models of what it might have looked like, and it's, it's wild. Like I wish it still looked like that, but you know it's been rebuilt a bunch of times, and the last time they rebuilt it, it's still like the tallest shrine structure in Japan, but it's not as big as it used to be. Cool. Uh, I also saw that it is considered one of the oldest shrines in Japan. It dates back to around the early 700s. Yeah, I heard like at least the early 700s and possibly further than that. Yeah. It's a pretty important kami that is enshrined there too. Did you read about that? I did, yeah. Okuninushi no Okami was the creator of the land of Japan. So I feel like it doesn't get much more important than uh, the creator. Yeah, he's right up there at the top of the list of most important deities, I believe, in Japan. Yeah, so this whole area actually plays a big part in Japan's 
creation myths. And uh, this Kami is also now known as a deity of marriage and relationships. So they say that when you visit, like normally when you go to a shrine, you clap your hands twice when you're doing your, uh, your little prayer. Yep. But here you're supposed to clap four times, twice for yourself and twice for your romantic partner or your desired romantic partner. That's kind of cool. That's a cool little thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Shimane Museum of Ancient Izumo is also nearby. You can learn about the history of the shrine and the surrounding region if you're into history. So here's another part of the lore that I didn't know. Every year from the 10th to the 17th day of the 10th lunar month, which usually falls in November, the 8 million Shinto deities in Japan all gather at Izumo Taisha for a meeting. Mm. So every kami in Japan is at this temple for, the, for that week. It's a busy place. Yeah. So for this reason, the 10th lunar month is known as Kamiya Rizuki, or month with the deities in Izumo. And then in the rest of Japan, it's known as Kanazuki, month without deities. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. Like, I was, I was blown away by that. Huh. And they have these like long buildings on the temple ground that are said to house the kami when they're there for this ceremony. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Also, when you're approaching the shrine, there's like two rows of trees, so it kind of divides it into three lanes. You're not supposed to walk down the center lane in between the trees because that's reserved for the kami when they come to visit. Mm. So visitors have to walk on the outside two lanes. I've heard that at shrines in general, too. You don't, you don't want to be approaching down the center. You get in some kami's way. Yeah. Some, I feel like at some shrines, there'll be like a little stone or a like brick path just a really narrow one right down the middle that you don't want to walk on because that's for the kami. So if you follow the coast a bit southwest from Izumo, you're going to come across Iwami Ginzan, which is Japan's largest silver mine. It was mined for almost 400 years since the 1600s. So you can explore the old mine shaft and runes from the mining period. And there's also some temples and shrines near there. There's also an old town area in the city that uh, includes some museums and historical residences. Yeah, so there are like these three main areas. One is the mine itself. And by the way, at its peak, this mine output 38 tons of silver per year. It's a lot. That's about a third of the silver production in the world. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, that old town area, you're talking about Omori Town. This is like the mining town that sprung up around the mine where all the merchants and craftsmen lived. And it's apparently really well preserved. Like it looks all old timey. And then to the west of that, there's also an onsen town on the coast called Yunotsu with public baths, traditional inns. You know, If you wanted to spend a night in the area, that would be a good place to do that. Yeah, and all three areas are connected by hiking paths and trails, too. So you can kind of just wander around all day and hit up everywhere. Awesome. Sounds like a really cool place to explore. Yeah. Uh, on the west end 
of Shimane Prefecture in the mountains. There's a town called Suano. This is another place with old-timey stuff. They got old samurai mansions. They have an old town area as well that looks really pretty. And the town is actually nicknamed Little Kyoto because of this nicely preserved historic area. It's also home to the Taikodani Inari Shrine, one of, Paul, the five greatest Inari shrines. That's actually saying something, because there's a heck of a lot of Inari shrines. There really are. And it lives up to its name, because it's got a lot of the Tori gates. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, at first glance, it might look, it might remind you of Fushimi Inari Shrine in Kyoto, because they have that path with all the red Tori gates. But the thing about these Tori gates is that they are super, super close together. Did you see pictures of this? Yeah. They're like inches away from each other instead of feet away from each other. So it's like you're walking through this tunnel of Tory gates. Yeah. Yeah, it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. I think we're down to the last prefecture now, Yamaguchi. So let's start with Yamaguchi City, right? Okay. So Yamaguchi Prefecture is the southwest end of the region, just, just so you know, just northeast of Kyushu, just across the water from uh, Fukuoka Prefecture. And in Yamaguchi City, there's a lot of history because it was the seat of power in the Sengoku period, 13 to 1500s, or it was a seat of power. There were a lot of seats of power. Yeah. So all those warlords and stuff. Um, this actually became known as the Kyoto of the West. Because of the centralized power, I guess. Okay. So you're going to find a lot of temples and shrines like you do in Kyoto. Yeah, one uh, temple of note is Rurikoji. It's known for its five-storied pagoda, which is a national treasure. It's ranked in Japan's top three pagodas. <laughs> yep. It was built in 1442, and it's beautiful. Yeah, it was built even before the rest of the temple was. That was like the first thing there was that pagoda. Yeah, there wasn't even a temple yet, but the temple sprang up around it, and now there's other buildings and things there as well. Did you see many pictures of the pagoda? I saw a couple. It's like one of the best pagodas I've seen, personally. It's at least top three. Like, not even just the pagoda itself, but its surroundings. Like, uh, it looks like it was kind of framed by this Japanese garden and then you got mountains in the background just looks like a really pretty scene there's also joeji which is a zen temple famous for its garden called sesute uh, the garden was built by the well-known monk painter and garden designer seshu it's a rock garden right yeah those are always fun yeah so it's about 500 years old and it utilizes a bunch of vertical upright rocks, which was the style at the time around the Maru Muromachi period. Hmm. Uh, so visitors can enjoy the views from the garden. Um, there's a big main temple building and a bunch of tatami rooms that you can walk around in. Um, there's also a couple uh, raked Zen gardens as well in the temple. So there's a lot to see. On the very westernmost tip of Honshu, that big main island, is a city called Shimonoseki. So this is like right across the Kanmon Strait from Kitakyushu. And since it's surrounded by water on three sides, it is well known for its seafood, especially fugu. 
just puffer fish. Is this where you got your fugu? I had fugu in Tokyo. Okay. But here, I definitely want to visit this and try all their seafood because they have a local fish market, Karato Market, in the waterfront area. Those are, I, I always love fish markets. It's just so fun to w- walk around and see all the stuff they have for sale. Uh, they also have an aquarium. If you're real into fish, go to the Kai Kyokan Aquarium. They have about 500 species of fish, including over 100 different types of puffer fish. I did not know there were that many different types of puffer fish. Apparently there are. This is supposed to be one of the best aquariums in the country. And they also have dolphins, penguins, sea lions, and animal performances. Okay. I saw a dolphin performance at Churaumi in Okinawa. It's one of the other top aquariums in the country. It's pretty cool. I'd never seen one quite like this because, you know, they usually focus on like dolphins jumping up and doing tricks and stuff. Yeah. But at this one, they were demonstrating the dolphin's echolocation. So they had like blinders over its eyes and then they would have it hit a tennis ball in the water. Like it can detect something or not even a tennis ball. They had like this tiny little white, like a ping pong ball. And the dolphin knew exactly where it was, even with its eyes covered. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so weird thinking about that. That's like a whole other sense that we just don't have. And like we can't even hardly imagine like what that would be like to have that sense. Yeah. Crazy world out there. There are those animals that can detect like magnetic fields and electric charges and stuff. Right. Crazy. Shimonoseki is also home to the Kanmon Bridge, which uh, connects Honshu to Kyushu. And there's actually a pedestrian tunnel underground that you can walk across. Underground? Yeah. It's an undersea tunnel connecting Honshu and Kyushu. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It looks pretty cool. You take an elevator like 60 meters down and then you can like walk across. Did we talk about that in the Kyushu episode? I'm trying to remember. That was a while ago. I, I know we talked about the bridges and stuff. I don't remember. I feel like we might have because there are trains that go down there too, right? I'm not sure. Right. Maybe I made that up. Go listen to the Kyushu episode <laughs> if you want to know. I'm sure we talked about it. Also, there's some really nice views at Hinoyama Park. Um, it overlooks the strait, so you get to see... The bridge and the city and the strait. Some really nice, beautiful views. Cool. There's a little ropeway you can take up there if you don't want to walk. So on the east end of Yamaguchi Prefecture, just southwest a bit of Hiroshima, is a city called Iwakuni. Fairly small city, about 150,000 people there. One main attraction is Kintaikyo Bridge, which looks really cool. It's a a wooden arch bridge. So they're like these big stone pillars that stick up out of the water and then wooden arches connecting each of those pillars. So it's like bouncing along (laughs) across these pillars. Yeah, this is another place where like I've seen lots of pictures of this bridge. It's really beautiful and really unique too, the way it looks. Yeah, especially it's especially popular around cherry blossom season. Like a lot of those pictures have... You know, the bridge, and then you see its reflection in the water, and then this whole scene is framed by the sakura, the cherry blossoms. It's yeah. really pretty. The bridge was originally built in 1673 because the old bridges they had kept washing away during flooding. So they were finally like, 
we're just going to build something big and strong. And it lasted from 1673 until 1950 when it was washed away by a violent typhoon. It's a sturdy bridge. And that was like post-World War II where they weren't, they didn't have like the money and time to spend on infrastructure like they should have been. Uh, But they rebuilt it by 1953 and it still stands today. You do have to pay to walk across it, Hmm. but it's probably really expensive to maintain. It's just a pedestrian bridge. So the money probably goes to a good cause, keeping keeping it up to date. Mm-hmm. And for castle fans, Iwakuni also has a castle, and it looked pretty unique as far as Japanese castles go. Did you see pictures of this one, Paul? Uh, not that I recall. I don't know. It just looks a little different. Like, the style is uh, a little different. I don't know. I think maybe that's because it's one of the later castles that was ever built. It was built in 1608, so okay, after the Sengoku period ended. Uh, and if you're into castles, you might also want to visit a nearby castle town called Hagi. Uh, the town is apparently nicely preserved, and it's also famous for its Hagiyaki pottery, considered some of the best pottery in Japan. So that would be cool. I, I really, on my next trip, I need to make sure to stop at one of these famous pottery villages and like pick up a cool teacup or something. Yeah, right. That'd be awesome. Should we talk about Mine? Sure. The big draw here for me was the Aki Yoshidai National Park because it includes the longest cave in Japan, Aki Yoshido. Yeah. The cave is up to 100 meters wide and has almost nine kilometers of passages. It's crazy. Yeah. Only about a one kilometer is open to the public, though, I saw. Yeah, o- only one kilometer. <laughs> like, that's still a ton of cave to yeah, go explore. Yeah, that is still oh, a yeah, long really walk. Cool. But, like, the rest of the park looks really cool, too. So, Akiyoshidai is a 130-square-kilometer plateau, and it has the highest concentration of karst formations in Japan. I had to look up karst, because I'd never heard of that. Was that... Had you heard of that, Paul? No, I had to look it up, too. It's basically a type of landscape that's made up of a lot of soft rock. So in this case, it's all this limestone that's been worn away over the millennia. So that's why like, there are a bunch of caves and sinkholes and these cool rock formations. And I mean, just looking out over this plateau, it looks really cool because it looks like kind of a, a standard plain it's just kind of flat and green and stretches out forever, but there are tons of rocks jutting up out of the ground randomly. Yeah, looks like a really cool place to take a hike yeah. and explore in. Yeah, and one of those places that almost looks like an alien planet, you know? Yeah. So that is uh, some of the main attractions in the Chugoku region that you might want to check out. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's lots more. Yeah. So if you want to visit this region, how are you going to get around, Paul? Well, the Shinkansen runs along the Seto Inland Sea. So if you're going along that direction to Hiroshima or some of those other cities, you can take the Shinkansen. There's also other major train lines that run through all the other prefectures as well. Yeah, like all the main cities are going to be connected. You're not going to have 
a problem getting to those by train. But as we have said in other region episodes, if you're going to get into the rural sections and a lot of you know, the northern parts of this region are pretty rural, you may want to rent a car. Yep. You could also fly in or out of a few of the major cities here as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're into hiking, there are a lot of great hiking routes in this region. So I would recommend bring good shoes for that. Uh, but even if you don't plan on hiking, you're probably going to be walking a lot. You know, you can get into those main cities on a train, but not all of them have like extensive local train lines to get you around to the local attractions. So you're probably going to be walking a lot inside each city that you visit. Yeah, or trying to find bus routes or yeah, I, I taking mean, cabs if you're a big spender. Yeah, maybe. Um, they don't even have super extensive public transportation, I saw, though, in a lot of cities. Yeah. Like, it's just not big enough to justify it. Yeah, right. You need a certain level of people moving every day to make it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the touristy stuff is generally usually pretty close together. So it's not like they're not walkable cities. Just be prepared for a lot of walking. Yep. That's all I got, Paul. Same here. All right. Well, that's it. We covered the whole country of Japan. This is the last region, and now it's over. All right. So now we start prefecture by prefecture. Were there 47 (laughs) or something? Something like that. (laughs) And then once we get through all the prefectures, we'll just start... Listing off every single city. We'll do yeah, we're, What are we, city. like five cities deep or something? We got a few thousand to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So where can people find us online, Jason? Well, you can find us on Instagram. We are at SJP Podcast. I'll be posting a ton of pictures from Hiroshima and Miyajima. Um, you can also find our website on the interwebs, sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. We have a travel tools page there that can help you get around. You can get a JR Pass there. The JR Pass gives you unlimited access to the Shinkansen, the high-speed bullet train, uh, within you know a certain period of time, as well as all of the other JR trains around the country. Yeah. And if you use the link on our website, that'll give us a little commission and no cost to you. So that'll be appreciated. We also have a contact page and a donate page on our website if you would like to reach out to us or donate to the podcast, respectively. What are we talking about next time, Paul? On the next episode, we're going to be talking about amusement parks in Japan. That's going to be fun. There are a lot of really cool theme parks. We've mentioned a few of them. Japanese people love love theme parks there's some wild ones we've talked about a few like interesting ones before but there's many many more that we haven't even talked about yet yeah i can't wait i'm excited for that one me too me too because i feel like i'm gonna discover a lot of things i don't know yeah because i'm not a huge theme park guy so i haven't done a lot of like research into it before i have a few on my list of places to go i really want to check out uh the harry potter place at uh osaka's Universal Studios. Okay. Uh, I want to go to Edda Wonderland for sure. Yeah. See, that seems more fun to me. Like, I could go to a Harry Potter thing anywhere, right? Why am I going to waste my time in Japan at Harry Potter? Well, Japan's has some special stuff. Yeah, maybe I'll find out when I start doing this research. We'll, yeah. we'll see. All right. Maybe you'll change my mind. Have you read the Harry Potter books? No. Oh. I've seen most of the movies. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I'm not saying the movies are terrible. They're just movies, like, but you uh, need to read the books first and then see the movies. Yeah, everyone tells me the books are good. I feel like I was just like maybe a couple years too old when those came out to like get yeah. into them as much as I could have. I you think, know? Yeah, we probably were, but it was actually just in the last few years that I like found them on audiobook and listened while yeah. I was working. And yeah. it's like they're they're solid stories. It's just fun, you know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.